Welcome, everybody, to This Podcast Has Autism. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. We have Cheryl with us. And Cheryl, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. I've lived here in Utah my whole life. Um, happily married, have two adult kids. Um, I've got a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in business administration. And I run a support group and a nonprofit awesome that is awesome um so do you like having autism um yes and no Uh, my autism comes with an amazing attention to detail Uh, my strengths are things that i do extremely well unfortunately most people can't always see those strengths or don't even realize i have strengths because they just see the socially awkward lady who stutters and doesn't know how to talk to people (laughs) Uh, but you should see my resume. It's amazing. Wow. <laughs> um, and I kind of like this analogy. Autism has been described as a different operating system. Um, and I kind of see it like this. Imagine everyone around you is on the Windows. A few of them are on the Mac OS. But you're on Ubuntu. People keep trying to send you files, which I equate to emotions or body language and explain how to execute certain actions on your computer, which I equate to the social skills, and it just doesn't compute. And some of the nicer people might try to explain it in the other system. You know, if they're on Windows, they might try to say, well, do it this way in Mac, but they don't know Ubuntu. And, you know, it's just no good. It, it just doesn't equate one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you need to stick to, like, a regular routine? That's a complicated question for me. I often have difficulty remembering to do things that aren't in my routine, so routine helps. But I have sleep disorders and a lot of other health problems that can interfere with my routine. So I think I got more done each day when I used to be working because I had that routine. You know, get up, do these things in the morning, go to work. And then I knew what time I had to do other things. Now I don't work. I mean, I have the nonprofit, but it doesn't take up a lot of my time. And so if I'm tired or don't feel well, I figure, oh, it's fine if I put this off till <laughs> later. And with my health issues, I'm often tired and don't feel well. So it's hard to stay motivated. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does sensory overload feel like for you? So imagine you've just been woken suddenly from a very deep, peaceful sleep and the lights are 100 times the brightness of daylight. The sound of a crowd around you is 100 times louder than a rock concert. Every time someone touches you, it feels like you're being stabbed with a thousand needles. It's 120 degrees in the shade, and you're so exhausted, you feel like you've just climbed a mountain. That's what it feels like. That sounds terrible. <laughs> yes. What was it like growing up with autism? So I grew up undiagnosed. Oh. I was constantly being teased and bullied, and I had no idea why. Um, It kind of taught me to be a wallflower and just stay out of everybody's way. I learned to fake it, you know, try to fake being normal. Couldn't always do it, so I'd just be quiet when I couldn't. So how were you when you were diagnosed? Um, Let me think. I was 35 when I was... Oh, wow. No, I was 30 when I was diagnosed. I was thinking of something else I was diagnosed with at 35. 
But uh, yeah, I was 35 when I was diagnosed. I was 30 when my daughters were diagnosed, which is when I realized I had autism. It took me a while to find someone willing to diagnose adults. So, you know, I met with a lot of the common misconceptions from providers like girls don't have autism. And if you had it, you would have outgrown it by now. Or there's no reason to get a diagnosis at this point. Um, you know, one out of every four or five diagnosed autistics is female, but I think those numbers are still skewed because females present differently and were often overlooked. It's my opinion that the rates of autism in males and females are equal. Of course, anyone who knows anything about autism knows you don't outgrow it. You just learn to hide it better. And there are plenty of reasons to get diagnosed. My reason shouldn't be any concern of these providers. The fact that I have it and I want a diagnosis should be enough, but it may have been helpful in getting accommodations at work or school, and um, it qualifies a person to use vocational rehabilitation or sign up with the Division of Services for People with Disabilities. So there's plenty of reasons to get diagnosed. Oh yeah, definitely. Now that you're an adult, is it easier for you to deal with autism? So yes and no. I've learned to better fake being normal, but doing so is extremely exhausting so it's kind of harder what about relationships are they hard for you yes I know a lot of autistics who just avoid relationships because they are more difficult for us autistic women are more vulnerable to abusive relationships we're less likely to see the signs to know we're in one or to know how to get out and we tend to be more trusting and believe the abusers when they say they'll change the average abused woman goes through seven separations before finally leaving their abuser. Oh, wow. But autist autistic women tend to go one way or the other. They either go through more separations and keep coming back, or they don't leave at all. I spent most of my life being abused by someone close to me, and it's one of my biggest fears for my daughters. I'm finally in a good place now. I'm married to an amazing man. He's a real sweetheart. He's actually even more shy than I am, so it's a miracle the two of us got together in the first place. So um, thank you, speed dating. <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever offend anyone? Despite my best efforts to try and avoid that, <laughs> I'm sure I do. Um, I don't deal well with the backlash from it either, so it's not just that I don't want to offend someone because I do care about people's feelings but I don't want to deal with what happens when I do um, but I'm just not the greatest at being diplomatic about things it just doesn't come naturally to me I do try um, and I don't do drama drama just shuts me down so yeah I try not to offend people <laughs> uh, what's one thing you want to tell the world about people with autism Always presume competence. That's a big phrase in the special needs world. Um, when in doubt, ask nicely. Like, do you need any help with that? Don't just assume because someone can't talk, they can't communicate, or because they're looking away, they're not listening. I actually listen better when I have my eyes closed and people think I you know, sleep through church or whatever, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Are you limited to what kind of jobs you can have? Yes. So the autism keeps me from doing things like sales, customer service, politics, basically anything that puts me in the public view. Even doing something like this is way out of my comfort zone, but you know, I want to spread the word. 
I have forced myself to do those things to some extent in my life, but it's kind of been detrimental to my mental health when I've done that. Um, I also have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which keeps me from doing just about anything else. I can't stand much, sit, type, lift, bend, twist, and I'd be taking off like three days a week for doctor's appointments, so oh, who'd wow. want to hire me? <laughs> wow. Do you find it difficult in forming friendships? Yeah, I've never had a whole lot of friends, but the ones I do have are really close friends that mean a lot to me. I think that's really common with autism. And I think part of the problem there is I have a hard time with small talk, which is what a lot of people want. And if I do get talking, it's about my special interests, which are mostly autism and EDS, math, outer space, <laughs> you know. So I'm sure people get tired of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my son, he's autistic. He's the same way. He'll talk forever about his interests. And, and he has trouble keeping friends, too. Like, he'll make friends, and then they'll realize there's a little something off about him, and then he loses friends. And it's I could tell it's frustrating to him. But, yeah, he has trouble, too. Yeah, my daughters have gone through that, too, and it's really hard to watch. It is. It is very hard to watch, yeah. Are you often forced to overthink things? Yeah, that's a really big problem for me. <laughs> I can't just do something I have to stop and think about how it'll affect every aspect of life like what are all the possible outcomes and how am I going to respond to each one what's going to go wrong and how do I deal with it and sometimes it keeps me from even doing some things at all do you find other people's humor difficult to understand not usually unless it's really veiled you know vague okay, humor yeah or references something I'm not familiar with. Um, I'm not very witty myself, but I do enjoy humor. How can someone tell if someone is autistic? Well, sometimes there's clues like stimming or fidgeting. Sometimes you'll notice the reduced social skills. Um, sometimes we hide it well enough that you won't notice. Do you have a compulsive personality? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm very much a perfectionist. I hate to have any little aspect of life out of place. And this is a difficult one with disabilities because I'm no longer physically capable of keeping things as organized and clean as I like. And that really bothers me. <laughs> Does it ever feel like you're living in another world? Definitely. I don't get society's proclivity towards social gatherings, sports, fashion, a number of other things. My mind is literally just in outer space most of the time, you know, thinking about astronomy, astrophysics. If I had it to do all over again, I would have gone into astrophysics, but oh, wow, that's cool. I kind of felt like that wasn't a practical vocational goal, you know, go sit on a volcano in Hawaii at the <laughs> observatory. <laughs> Especially since I already had kids when I was in college. I'm like, I don't think that would work out. <laughs> I know when we spoke uh, before the interview, you wanted to uh, mention about uh, misconceptions. So I have a list of the most common. Uh, I'll just read one off, and then you can give your insight on it. Does that sound good? Yeah. Um, oh, I wanted to add one more thing on that question about living in my own world though oh okay sure um 
the fact that I didn't follow what I loved um, and I regret that makes me want to encourage my daughters to follow what they love. Um, my oldest wants to be a paleontologist and oh, my, wow. my awesome. youngest is a YouTube voice actor. Voc Rehab keeps telling my oldest that a paleontologist isn't a practical vocational goal. And I'm just like, yes, it is. And if they won't pay for it, we'll help you. Well, yeah, especially in Utah. There's a lot of them here in Utah because they find lots of dinosaur bones and stuff. Oh, yeah. Utah is the best place yeah. in the world oh, to yeah. be a paleontologist. Yeah. And a YouTube actor. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she loves it. They just do videos like fanfic videos and she voice acts. So she has fun. The first misconception, individuals with autism are still quite normal. Nope, but many of us fake it really well. <laughs> uh, children with autism are unable to speak. Sometimes, not always. Um, some are only nonverbal when overstimulated. And some are unable to speak, but they can do sign language or type. They can communicate in other ways. Uh, individuals with autism share the same skill sets and face similar dis difficulties. We're just as varied as neurotypicals. My problems are not the same problems another autistic has, and my strengths aren't the same strengths. We're all different. Uh, high functioning or low functioning are preferred terms in autism. Not usually. I know some people like them, but they're very flawed. People often misinterpret these as meaning verbal or nonverbal. But some verbal autistics do not function well in society, and some nonverbal autistics function just fine. It's a spectrum, not a straight line. <laughs> people with autism have an awesome savant skill. This is rare. I do know some autistic savants, but it's actually very rare. Um, most of us have special interests in which we're really well read, so it might come across that way, but being a true savant is not very common. Uh, people with autism cannot, cannot raise children, <laughs> which is false because you say you have two children. <laughs> um, yeah, I successfully raised two autistic daughters, most of which time I was a single working mom, and they're doing just fine as adults now. Uh, people with autism do not have a normal sex life or a romantic relationship. Uh, mine's great, but... <laughs> It varies, just like everything else in our lives. Well, I I know I'm I'm on a Facebook uh, community autism thing, and one of the concerns with one of the parents they mentioned their son has trouble with dating, and I mean, yeah, I, I could I could see that being a problem. Yeah, dating is difficult. It's really hard to put yourself out there when you're so uncertain in social situations. I think that's why so many more people nowadays are going toward online dating or just, you know, meeting people on social media. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I know that's how I met my wife, through online dating. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. All people with autism have an intellectual disability. Well, my IQ tested in the 99.6th percentile. Oh, wow. <laughs> that means if there's a thousand people in the room, I'm the fourth most intelligent. <laughs> Not to toot my own horn. 
but um, yeah, it happens probably more often than in the neurotypical population, but we're not all delayed. You know, a lot of us are actually more intelligent than the rest of the population, oh, wow. which I think is where the misconception about savants comes from. Yeah. Because it's like, if you're a savant, you can do one thing absolutely perfectly. Like, what was Rain Man's thing? Numbers? He could read off a number? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it might have been numbers, yeah. Yeah, and I know a couple of mechanical savants. Well, Einstein, he had Asperger's. Yeah, he, he's and been historically diagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> but he not not during his lifetime, but yes, I but believe yeah. he had it. People with autism are usually rude? No. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that one either. Yeah, most autistics I know go to great lengths to be kind to others cuz they're actually very caring and loving people. Um, we may not always come across as intended. That's actually painful to us. It's always been hurtful to me if I know someone thinks I'm rude, because that's never my intent. It's always just, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, children with autism are very aggressive. So having studied psychology myself, I know rates of aggression are slightly higher in autistic children than in neurotypical children. But that's been attributed to their frustration in not being able to clearly communicate their needs and often resolves when they're given the tools to do so, like sign language or yeah. certain communication devices. Uh, I also notice, because my son goes to a school full of autistic kids, some, some are not aggressive at all, and then others you can see a little bit, and others are like extreme. So I think it just depends on the child also. Yeah, you know, again, we're just as varied as neurotypicals. <laughs> You know, some are bullies and some are just the mildest, nicest people you could ever meet. Oh, yeah. People with autism cannot work. Many people with autism have had very successful careers. I would like to cite the movie Temple. If you haven't seen it, it's really good, at least in my opinion. Um, it's about Temple Grandin going to college, starting her career. Um, in fact, often autistics are better at their jobs than neurotypicals, especially when working within their special interests. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see that. I've personally had successful careers. Um, I'm now not working, just, you know, do my little part-time nonprofit. But I think I did just fine, and I think anybody can that puts their mind to it. <laughs> uh, individuals with autism do not want friends. That's not true at all. It may seem that way when we don't want to go out and be in the crowd or we're not very involved with what's going on in sports or fashion or whatever, um, or when we're too overstimulated to be around people or we just don't know what to say. Uh, many of us struggle to balance those things with our friendships. It's really hard for us. Most of us do want friends. Oh, yeah. Autism is due to parenting styles? Nope. That <laughs> myth was debunked decades ago. Um, although it is often hereditary, you can get it from your parents. Um, autism is a neurological difference in how our brains are wired. No amount of parenting advice is going to change that. <laughs> autism is a childhood problem that can be cured or outgrown. No. We just learn to hide it better as we age mostly through imitating how we observe other, others in social situations. 
Again, this is exhausting. Most of us wish we didn't have to do this. I just want to be myself. And it's been a little easier for me to just be myself now that I don't work. I'm not out there as much. And I'm pretty open about my autism. Some people get it and some don't. And, you know, as I age, I'm better at figuring that's their problem. I don't need to please everybody, but that's still hard for me. Um, just been getting a little easier for me to embrace who I really am as I age and as I better understand why I am the way I am, which is another good argument for diagnosis. Oh, is there anything else you, you'd like to cover or share? Um, I kind of want to talk about comorbidities. Okay. Um, if you don't know what comorbidities are, they are co-occurring conditions. They frequently occur with the condition. Not everybody has them. We're all different. Most people know about the common comorbidities of autism, like ADHD, learning disabilities. Um, there are many others. Oftentimes, autistics have chronic pain, digestive problems, neurological problems like seizures and migraines. The list can go on and on. Personally, I found I have a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or EDS, hypermobility type, which is HEDS. Some of us just call it HEDS. Our bodies produce faulty collagen, which is the glue that holds us together. There's collagen everywhere in the body, so it affects every body system and every body part. Um, there is a high rate of autism in the EDS population, which makes sense to me as there is collagen in the brain and in the nervous system. So the faulty collagen creates faulty neurological connections. We also have high rates of migraines, seizures, dysautonomia, which is a malfunctioning of the autonomic nervous system, and many other neurologic issues that a lot of autistic people have. So I'm always telling people, if you have autism and other health problems, you should look up connective tissue disorders. <laughs> Some common symptoms of EDS are the aforementioned neurologic disorders, hypermobile joints, which can lead to early arthritis, scoliosis, degenerative disc disease, etc. I'm always seeing people do, you know, the parlor tricks. Look how I can hyperextend. That's bad. Don't do it. You will hurt yourself. <laughs> Maybe not now. Maybe when you're 40 like me and your joints are chronically dislocated. <laughs> but uh, yeah, some of the other symptoms can be bleeding disorders like von Willebrand's disease. Oh, wow. That's similar to hemophilia. Cardiovascular, digestive, skin, vision, hearing, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, reproductive health. The list just goes on and on. Wow. I probably see three dozen different specialists for it. So, you know, it's also important to note that not everyone has every symptom. And it's very underdiagnosed because many providers don't connect the dots. I mean... Yeah, your knee is dislocating and you have migraines. How many doctors will think to put those two together and say you have <laughs> yeah. a disorder from it? Um, I actually first learned about EDS in an autism group when they were talking about growing pains, which my daughter had. So I looked it up and realized my whole family has it. And it took years to get diagnosed. I finally got my youngest daughter her school accommodation she needed during her senior year. So... <laughs> A little late there. 
I wish I had known about it decades earlier because knowledge is power. Yeah. There, there's no treatment for the disorder itself, but you can treat the symptoms and you can do things to protect your joints and your organs from failure further down the road. So um, I also have a more uncommon neurological condition. Um, I'm sure most people with autism or EDS don't have it, but it's called aphantasia. Most people have never heard of it, including doctors, and my neurologist didn't even seem to believe it when I told him. Oh, wow. But the best description I've heard is the mind's eye is blind. When I close my eyes, I see nothing but the bit of light that filters through the thin skin of the eyelids. My mind does not recreate sound, smell, taste, touch, anything tangible. I have limited recognition of things that I do know and no recall of them, just recognition. Um, but I do fine with everyday things. You know, it doesn't impair my driving, getting around. Yeah. I know what a traffic light is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's just no sensory recall. I can't close my eyes and recall the senses. Um, everything that goes on in my mind is in the abstract. Like, I can tell myself, this microphone is blue, and I might remember later that I made note of the color. Yeah, that microphone's blue, but I'm not going to close my eyes and see a blue microphone. Um, that makes for kind of a poor memory. <laughs> it's kind of the joke in my family that I never remember anything. Oh, it's all right. I don't remember anything either. I have short-term memory loss. Yeah, me too, but my neurologist doesn't seem to think so. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize this was normal until my early 30s. My first hint was when I saw something on PBS about face blindness, which is the inability to recognize faces, which I realized I have. <clears throat> Much later, I thought, ask my husband, when people say they can visualize things, do they actually close their eyes and see them like a real picture is there? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, with his funny look, <laughs> like, yeah, we can. <laughs> I'm like, well, I can't. So I asked Google if there was a name for it. And of course, <laughs> that's how I found out what it was called. <laughs> and this was before my autism or EDS diagnoses. Oh, wow. I've had an MRI. It showed a venous anomaly on the right front temporal lobe, which I've been told can affect memory. But my neurologist said, oh, it's nothing. And um, I think that may be the source of my aphantasia. I'm not sure if that anomaly was caused by my EDS or one of many childhood injuries. <laughs> a psychiatrist I had a while back told me he thinks it's a traumatic brain injury. Oh, but, wow. Yeah, there's no proof of that. And then the other thing I get to deal with in life that isn't related to any of this other stuff is called erythropoietic protoporphyria. I'm allergic to the sun. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, that one truly is rare. I don't think EDS is really rare. It's just underdiagnosed. Yeah. But porphyria really is rare. So, but I really encourage people that if you have problems, go get them diagnosed and learn how to manage them better rather than just saying, oh, I don't need a name for things. I don't need a label for things. I think it's detrimental not to label things. That's just my opinion. And if, if you're diagnosed, you can get the treatment that you need also. Yeah, that's true. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you guys would like more info on Cheryl's nonprofit organization, go to edsresourcenetwork.org. Quick announcement, we want to let you know about a giveaway we are doing on Facebook. So happy 
Hand Toys gave us two fidgets to give away on our show. One is a fidget cube and the other is a gamepad controller fidget. The giveaway starts today and ends on Friday, June 29th. We will pick two winners, one for each fidget. We will announce the winners on next week's show. The winners will then email their addresses to us. All you have to do is like our giveaway post on Facebook to enter the giveaway. If you share the post and like and follow our Facebook page, then you get two more entries for the giveaway. So go to facebook.com slash this podcast has autism and get started. So that's it for this episode. Until next time.